Good morning, everyone. It's, it's, it really is an absolute privilege to be able to share with you all uh, this morning and to preach from the book of Ecclesiastes, which is more and more becoming a book that means, that means an awful lot to me, to be honest. I know that it's a bit of a Marmite book. I know that for some people, they just don't get it or they find it weird or that it's just depressing. And I understand that, you know, based on those famous verses that come right at the start that say completely meaningless everything is meaningless. But like I say, I found it to be a book that once you get past kind of the weirdness and stuff, I found it to be a book that really empathizes with my spirit. I'm a really, really, really deep thinker, okay? That's something, um, if you don't know me, that's part of my character. Um, Sometimes, to be honest, it is to my detriment. I can overanalyze situations to the point where almost I overthink things. My brain sometimes enters a bit of paralysis and I'm just riddled with kind of stress and, 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 and indecision as well. And, um, you know, that, that, that's something that really affects me. But, you know, the, the teacher in Ecclesiastes, he strikes me as someone who's a really deep thinker too. And as he's um, thinking about life, reflecting on life, talking about his concerns, sharing some of the things that baffle him, or just outright anger him, it actually brings me a sense of relief, believe it or not. Because I think sometimes, you know, I feel kind of that I can't, kind of accessing that side of myself, you know, it isn't, it isn't something I should be allowed to do. It's almost like, as a Christian, I put, put my, myself under expectation that in some way I have to be kind of joyful and optimistic about things most of the time. But sometimes I'm just not. Sometimes that's just not how I'm feeling. And I think that this book gives us permission to be able to acknowledge and to be able to feel that. Feel that. I think lament is such a vital aspect of our spirituality. You know, we see it all over the Psalms. And I think sometimes because of the hope we have in Christ, sometimes we feel a little bit guilty to access that at times. But all things considered, today's message is actually about having fun, believe it or not. Specifically, what is the place of pleasure, fun, hobbies, interests, anything in that ballpark in our lives? I'm someone who is really, really wired around hobbies and interests ever since I was young. When I was at school, I'd have to give every sport a go, even if it was just once, apart from cricket, okay? I'd stand out right on the boundary line as far away from the ball as I could and inevitably the ball would always land where I was stood. And I always found it really boring to watch as well. Although I, t- I turned 30 this year and over the course of my birthday weekend I ended up watching the Ashes series and visiting a garden centre. Like, interests, they do change over time apparently. Staff, my wife, she's getting quite concerned about me, to be fair. She's already laid down the law. She's like, cricket is just about okay, but I draw the line at golf. Absolutely not. She's made that abundantly clear. But um, in terms of this area of hobbies and interests, you know, it's always something, I think it's part of the fact that I'm a bit of a deep thinker. It's always something that I've kind of gravitated towards. And there has been times in my life where actually there's been certain hobbies that you know, I've got a little bit too obsessed with and it's turned into some quite addictive behaviours. But I think we're all wired quite differently in this way. So Saf, for example, she has areas of interest in her life, but she doesn't quite gravitate towards hobbies and really particular things in the same way that I do. And I assume that might be the same 
For a lot of us, some of us will take to really specific hobbies. More of us will just have, I suppose, general kind of levels of interest in different things in life. We're all kind of wired differently in that way. But what I would presume is that for the vast majority of us, there will be things in our lives that actually we can get a little bit too obsessed with at times. For some of, it, for some of us, it might be social media For some of us, it might be home improvements. For some of us, it might be the new car or the latest gadget. For some of us, it might be holidays. Um, I had a conversation with someone fairly recently, and they said to me, you know, once once I've been on holiday and I get back from holiday, I have to book the next one, otherwise I don't have anything to look forward to. You know, we're, we're all wired so differently, and for each of us, it will be a different thing. But I've had enough conversations with people to realize, actually, some of us experience the exact opposite problem. I've had a few conversations with people kind of along the lines of people just getting urges to kind of binge watch kind of television or or engage with some like video games. But the thing is, a lot of these people that are sharing this stuff with me, they're not people that do that. So it's not it's not like it's not like a bad habit they've cultivated in their life. It's just like an urge they're kind of getting. And actually, my immediate reaction to that is maybe this is indicative of, of someone or people that actually maybe they're not giving themselves the freedom to be able to express the things that they enjoy and setting aside some time just to take some downtime, have some relaxation time. And what I've tried to do is I've tried to illustrate this with this spectrum up on the screen. So you know, be thinking about as we go through this morning, where would you place yourself on this spectrum? Hopefully not at either end of the extreme, but we have, we'll go through the kind of two different categories I've I've identified there. Pleasure seekers, okay? If you're a pleasure seeker, it's fairly obvious why you're going to end up in that category, and that's because pleasure's really fun. It's really great, you know, when we engage in the things we enjoy, Naturally, you know, we get that kind of short-term fix from whatever we're engaging with, and it, you know, we, we crave more pleasure. It's quite reciprocal. We might also find ourselves in this kind of area of the spectrum if maybe we have a deficiency in a different area of our well-being. Maybe we're struggling with our mental health. Maybe we're struggling with our relationship with God. Maybe we're struggling, maybe being kind of physically active or whatever, and Maybe that void that's been created, we're, we're kind of, I suppose, filling that void with pleasure. And um, for those of you that have been with us a while, you remember the well-being journey that we did as a church a couple of years ago. And you'll remember from that, actually, even if just one or two areas of our well-being get a little bit out of sync, it can create a bit of kind of carnage. It can create a bit of chaos kind of in ourselves. But over here, we have the pleasure sacrifices. Why on earth would someone end up over here when pleasure is so good? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons kind of I've, I've had to th- think about. And I think one of the reasons is a heightened sense of responsibility. And this can be because circumstances and situations are forced upon us, or it might be a posture we you know, decide to almost adopt for ourselves. So you know, we probably all have people in our lives, I can think of a few, that because of their circumstances, they're actually having to play a role in their lives, which is enough for like three or four people, let alone one person. And I think people that I know that are in this situation, actually, the ability for them to cultivate fun in their lives is actually really difficult. It's really challenging. And I think part of that is because Actually, they're dedicating so much time to family members, to friends, that actually the ability to enjoy themselves, actually they they start to feel that kind of guilt, like they shouldn't be doing it, like they should be using their time more wisely. And I think sometimes as Christians, one of the things we come across at times is, 
you know, our faith in itself gives us a great sense of responsibility, which in itself I think is an amazing thing. But one of the things we can do at times, if we're not careful, is we can turn this into a very intense pressure that we put on ourselves that I don't think God wants for us. You know, sacrifice is one of the most central facets of the Christian life. And Jesus demonstrated the perfect sacrificial life for us when he died for me and for you on the cross. But sometimes we kind of adopt that life of sacrifice. It gets a bit skewed at times. And actually, we, we go as far as believing that actually, to in, if I'm supposed to be living a life of sacrifice, I can't enjoy myself. I'm supposed to be giving. I'm supposed to be generous. I'm supposed to be here, there, and everywhere. And actually, it can get a bit skewed and confused at times. So we're going we're gonna to explore this further now. We're going to dive um, into Ecclesiastes. We're going to have a look at chapter 2, I believe. Um, verses 1 to 11, if you have your Bibles. And basically, this passage, what we're going to get into is the teacher is talking about, he's basically gone on a little bit of a mission, and he's going on a mission to see what the pursuit of pleasure actually brings. So we're going to look at some verses first in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and then a few verses throughout the book. Because actually, what I think the book kind of makes the case for, actually, is that spectrum we saw a moment ago I think it makes the case that actually it's not healthy for us to, to kind of be placed at either extreme of this spectrum. But let's explore Ecclesiastes and see how we go. I'm just going to take a little bit of water. You know, we were prepping for the service and uh, you're reading obviously off this screen. I'm supposed to be reading off that screen. <laughs> And all the tech guys were here, and I was going, guys, I can't read that. Like, for the life of me, I can't read that. And they were all just reading it word for word. So I might need a trip to, yeah, I might need some glasses, actually, to be fair. So I'm going to read from this, um, just so we actually get the right verses. There we go. Okay, so Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Fair enough. I'm not a drinker myself, but I know a few friends that probably opt for that. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds... Oh, sorry. Oh, amazing. Sorry. Oh, you don't need one of these when you've got Anthony on your case. There we go. Where were we? I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. 
So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Amen. I'm not sure, you know, whether I've totally read this right, but my favorite bit of this is verse 3, where he justifies this social experiment he's just been on by saying, and while still seeking wisdom, I've still got that, I clutched at foolishness. It's basically the equivalent of Pastor Paul going, guys, I've got a sermon coming up on living life well. Okay, so to do that justice, I need to experience how not to live life. So I'm booking a plane to Vegas, if if that's okay. Um, So what, what, what are some of the experiences the teacher explores them. He enjoys a bit of his wine, lovely jubbly. He builds a huge home for himself. He accrues a lot of wealth, which he uses to buy slaves. And, you know, he gets, he hires people to sing for him. Like, as an introvert, I can't think of anything worse, to be honest. Just someone in my face singing to me all day. You know, there's much better ways to spend your investment than that. You know, I'll admit, I'm a really big fan. You know the salad bars you get, the harvester, and like Pizza Hut? If I came to this level of wealth, I'll install one of them in my kitchen like, before I started like, hiring singers, to be honest. But the key thing here, the key takeaway, this list that we've just looked at, um, it could be limitless because as it explains to us in verse 10, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. Some people believe that the teacher speaking is King Solomon. Some people believe it's someone who's kind of more putting themselves in the shoes of someone in royalty. But whatever the case and however he went about this exploration, the key thing to take away from this list and this verse is that in his pursuit of pleasure, he left absolutely no stone unturned. So after all this, what were his concluding thoughts? And these can be found in verse 11. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. As other speakers in the series have highlighted, this word meaningless isn't quite what it seems. It'd be weird for him to kind of explore all of these you know, things that, that bring him a lot of pleasure and to conclude, actually, they're all kind of completely devoid of meaning. But The word meaningless um, in this book, the Hebrew word is hevel, which better translates as as a vapor or breath. In other words, something that is fleeting or doesn't have, you know, particular lasting significance. So what, what does all this mean for us today? I think what it means is actually the pursuit of pleasure. One of the big problems with it is that it's temporary in its very nature, Sorry, I've just lost my place. If we spend our lives putting the pursuit of pleasure above God, our friends, our family, our relationships, we might have, you know, a good time, you know, really good fun in the short term. But actually, we might get to the end of our lives and look back and think, actually, in the grand scheme of things, what, what was the point of all that? A bit like how the teacher reflects at the end of these passages. I had, I had my fun. It was great. You know, he talks about the fun he had as he's experiencing those things. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, what, what did it all mean? You know, the, 
in a lot of ways, the, the emptiness that maybe we've spent our lives trying to fill ultimately becomes all we're left with. And it's at the end of this verse as well, it touches on another very significant theme in Ecclesiastes, which is death. Although the teacher has a faith in God, we're not quite sure what his understanding would, would have been of, of life after death, bearing in mind that this is an Old Testament book. And I think wider society, I think it's fair to say, share this tunnel vision. It's almost an attitude of, you've got one life, so you, you better make it count. You know, fill it with as much stuff as you can. And I think this is why we pursue pleasure so vigorously and we can adopt, we can adopt for ourselves a little bit of a bucket list mentality. But we know something the teacher doesn't. And that is that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he opened up an opportunity whereby if we are to believe in him, we also have the opportunity to share in this eternal life. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, this offer is the real deal and it's available to you this morning. If you're here and you would call yourself a Christian, it might do us well to ask ourselves the question before the Spirit, Lord, what, what does eternal life mean to me? I'll be honest, it's a question that I've, I've asked myself a lot in recent times and I've shared this with a few others. It's almost as if in my head I know that when I die... I'm going to heaven, that I'm going to have the opportunity to enjoy eternal life. But I think I've got some way to go in really believing that in like my heart and in my spirit. Um, I don't know about you, and I think it's part of my discipleship journey, to be honest. But I can't help but think that actually the more you and I are able to cultivate a life where actually we're able to look forward to eternity, we're able to perceive it a little bit and get excited about it and really grasp hold of it a bit more, I can't help but think actually our priorities in this life are organically going to start falling into place, our pleasure pursuits included. All this said, by the way, I'm not saying, you know, cut pleasure out of your life completely because I'll be honest, I've made that mistake. If we go back to this spectrum we looked at earlier... As I alluded to earlier, I'm someone who really gets quite obsessive over particular hobbies. So I've been in situations where I've been over here as kind of like a pleasure seeker, for example. But then I kind of panic and think, right, I need to cut this out of my life. You know, it's not doing me any good. But then what I do is I end up zooming from pleasure seeking to, to pleasure sacrificing. And I think part of the reason that happens is actually... You know, as I'm kind of obsessing over stuff, it's like, actually, this isn't good for me. I start to feel maybe a bit of fear, a bit of guilt. And actually, rather than kind of maybe do it, give it a bit of pruning, a bit of remolding, I just go, I'm ditching it. And actually, I end up going towards being a pleasure sacrificer where I end up kind of denying myself almost all pleasure. And believe you me, it's not, it's not a very comfortable place to be in. So what would my advice be there? I think I think it starts with asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, you know, is this something, is this, is my thing, is this thing something that needs to be severed from my life completely, or does it need just a little bit of pruning and a little bit of remolding? And I think this is where our trusted relationships become so key. The people we trust, the people we know to be wise, the people we connect with, because they might be able to give us that objective, almost reflection of where we're at with certain pleasures in our lives in a way that we can't see, and they might be able to give us that really honest reflection. They might help us put some accountabilities 
in place as well. Um, so that if we're in a situation where before the Lord actually, Lord, I don't feel I'm to give this up at this moment in time, but I know I need to make some adjustments. Actually, our friends and the people we connect with can help with that. And actually, one of the things as well that I think is key in this is learning to cultivate joy in the simple pleasures in life and using that as a bit of an opportunity to go back to basics. We're going to look at some verses in a minute that really speak to this. And I was reflecting on them and thinking, why is this so important? And I think part of it is, in one sense, if we're not able to cultivate joy in the very basic, mundane, everyday things in life that kind of God gifts us, then we're just going to end up chasing joy kind of here, here, there, and everywhere. And it will be a bit like a bottomless pit, to be honest, if, if that makes sense. That's kind of how I kind of reflected on that. Um, so we're going to go back to the spectrum briefly, because I've given... If you, you sat here and actually you think, actually, I'm more of a pleasure seeker, I've given you guys a bit of an ear bashing, to be fair. So actually now we're going to have a l- little bit of a focus on the other side of this spectrum. Because one of the things I think Ecclesiastes makes the case for as well is that actually having fun, cultivating fun in our lives is actually part of how we're designed. You know, it's intrinsically tied into our, um, to our rhythms of life. So we're going to have a look at some verses now and just see how they help us live life well. Again, because of my eyesight, I'm going to have to join you in the congregation to be able to read these out. I'll just have a bit of water. So there's a few verses here. There's two on this slide, two on the next. And actually, they, um, they're all quite repetitive. They're all quite similar. They, they touch on very similar ideas. So we'll just read them. Um, So the first one's from chapter 2. So I decided that there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? In chapter 3, so I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And chapter 5, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. And finally in verse, uh, sorry, chapter 8, So I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along along with all the hard work God has given them under the sun. So there's a few kind of nuggets that obviously you'll notice they're all worded quite similarly, but I wanted to kind of pick out a few nuggets kind of very briefly. Firstly, enjoyment, the ability to cultivate fun in our lives, starts and finishes with God. Every good thing we have the opportunity to enjoy in this life is a gift from him. It's from his hand, and we shouldn't enjoy anything apart from him. Secondly, I think cultivating fun in our lives actually begins with trying to find satisfaction in our work, our school, our college, our university studies, basically whatever you would describe as the main place where you toil to start with finding satisfaction there. And I think this ties in with you know, trying to find satisfaction in some of the simpler things in life. In a sense, if we're not able to cultivate satisfaction and enjoyment in our toil, 
which too is from the hand of God, just as the good things, then actually cultivating you know, joy in our lives as a whole is actually more difficult. One of the interesting things, I think, from verse five, uh, sorry, chapter 5 as well, is actually, I think, it, it teaches a little bit that we're to, be, we're to engage in pleasure because it does our mental health some good. It talks about how actually one of the reasons God keeps us busy enjoying ourselves is so that we don't brood over the past. You know, we've all been there where our head has just been entrapped in the past or it's been too caught up in future plans. Actually, you know, live for the moment sounds a little bit, a bit of a kind of secular kind of get up and go you know, motivational thing. But I think there's elements of that, not quite in the same way, but I think there's elements of that coming out in this chapter whereby actually by enjoying ourselves, engaging, being thankful in what we're doing, actually we're, God is helping us kind of mentally with, within that. And I think the last thing I'd mention is all of this, all of these verses, they allude to hard work. Life is blimmin' hard work. And actually we need fun in our lives so that we can engage in that for the journey, so that it keeps us going. I don't know how you guys reflect on some of the verses we've just read. Do you receive them as gifts from God, or do you look at them a a little bit cynically? Maybe some of the pleasure sacrifices among us are looking at this and kind of going, well, it kind of, you know, seems a bit like living in the moment to me. You know, I'm not quite sure about it. You know, there must be there must be more to it. As I alluded to earlier, because sacrifice is such a central facet of the Christian faith, I think sometimes we can adopt a posture which almost represses the life we have now under some kind of belief that actually, when I go to heaven, when I get to enter eternal life, that's when I'll enjoy myself properly, but in the meantime, I'm called to this life of sacrifice. So, you know, I can't enjoy anything. You know, there is no question in my mind that one of the main calls Jesus puts on our life is to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. But I don't think this is the same thing as a call to a life-denying approach to existence. The Christian walk, and I know this from first-hand experience, like in my kind of, the way I've wrestled with kind of hobbies and interests, the Christian walk is hard enough as it is. Let's not make it even harder for ourselves by denying ourselves fun and enjoyment when actually there's no good reason to do that. Let's learn to accept some of the verses we've just read as a gift from God. So actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw things to a close there because I'd like to have a time of response, a time of reflection before we enter our time of worship. You know, there's, there's lots of things, we've, we've, there's lots of areas we've touched on, discussed this morning. And I think depending on where we may perceive we would sit on this scale, it, it depends kind of how we might choose to respond. So be asking the Holy Spirit now, Lord, where would you, if I had to place myself kind of on this spectrum, kind of where would it be? If you're here this morning and you would, you think to yourself, actually, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a pleasure seeker. You know, you're running the risk of the things you enjoy in life actually becoming more important than God and displacing him. You're running the risk of making those things idols in your life. And as we've read, we're not to enjoy anything um, in this life apart from God. Maybe your response this morning is to say, Lord, you're at the center of my life over and above these things. 
Maybe there's some very practical things you want to do. Like we said, it might be that there is a particular thing you need to cut out completely from your life. But maybe there's some stuff that just needs a little bit remolding, a little bit of pruning um, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I really encourage you, press in to people you trust as well. Because sometimes when we're caught up in stuff, we, we don't perceive ourselves accurately. And actually, sometimes the reflections of others in this area can be really helpful. If you'd identify yourself maybe as more a pleasure sacrifice this morning, for you it's about embracing the enjoyment of life, acknowledging that actually we need, we need fun in our lives as kind of fuel for the journey. And it's also about kind of understanding that to, to have God in our lives, it's also part of that is embracing his world as well. So actually part of your response this morning might be just be going, Lord, just fill me spirit with freedom this morning to be able to enjoy the life you've given me to the fullest. You might find yourselves comfortably in the middle of this spectrum, so I'm sorry for wasting your time this morning if that's the case. (laughs) But in all seriousness, a lot of what we've looked at this morning in terms of our verses, they're verses of thanksgiving, you know what I mean? You know, it's acknowledging afresh, even though we know it already, acknowledging afresh. Actually, the good things I get to experience in life, they're good things from God, they're from his hand, and we're encouraged to continue experiencing them in his presence. So maybe your response this morning is just one of thanksgiving. Maybe you're here with us this morning and you're not a Christian. You know what I mean? And the gifts that this world gives are amazing, but there's no better gift than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And actually, if anything has spoken to you this morning, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love to help you along the next steps of your journey. I'd be up for a chat and I'm sure many others would as well. So... On that note, why don't we just spend some time just praying together quickly. Yes, Father God, I just want to thank you for all of the wonderful things you bless us with in this life. And I'm always struck, actually, when people talk to me about the things that they enjoy and actually how bizarrely different they are, how someone could be tending to their garden and they just love it. And I look at my garden and think, I'll mow the grass and that'll just be be about okay, you know what I mean? And it's like, how I can love football so much and yet others think it's ridiculous. And I thank you so much, Lord, for how you've made us all so uniquely and you've given us this kind of creativity and the, the ability to be able to engage in certain things. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning by the Spirit. Keep you at the center of our lives. Yes, with the ability to enjoy things, but nothing should displace you, Lord. And I pray that on a daily basis, as we take up our cross and deny ourselves, Lord, I pray that you'd really help us cultivate lives that are centered completely around you, Lord. But I pray for any of us that are feeling guilt-ridden, kind of fearful this morning about the ability to engage and enjoy things in this world, Lord. I pray freedom in this place. I ask for a release of freedom by your spirit, that actually we are, um, we are not of this world, but we're in this world, Lord. And actually, the ability to engage with stuff and have fun, it, it's part of how, how we're made and, and we need it for the journey. So I pray that you at least release freedom among us this morning. And I pray in this area generally, cultivate thanksgiving in our lives, Lord. We're not to enjoy anything in this life apart from you, whether it's coming to church, worshiping, Um, a very kind of obvious way of showing you worship, or if it's going home later and watching the football, going out for a walk, going out for a cycle, doing the garden, whatever we're doing, may it all be worshipful praise to you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.